So back in August of last year, I was picking up a few things at Whole Foods. Uh, I was in the produce department, and as I was shopping for whatever it was, cucumbers or something, I heard a commotion, and the commotion got louder and louder, and as I walked out of produce and turned the corner into the dairy section, I saw what all, what all the fuss was about. It was a full-on mask fight. A customer was getting into it, getting after it with this poor Whole Foods employee well, I shouldn't say poor employee because she was standing her ground and the employee was saying to this woman, I'm sorry, ma'am, but if you're going to shop here, you're going to have to wear a mask uh, and if not, you're going to have to leave. And it, the woman was not budging and it got awkward and it got loud and there was yelling and it was tense and bitter and then I realized I had to get by them to get to the pasta section. Uh, and the whole store including me, was on edge. You could just tell. You could, you could hear the commotion through the whole store. And people, as I shopped the rest of the time, and it kept going, I kept going on and on, people were with their heads down, just trying to get their things and leave. They were just trying to get away from it. You know, it's one thing to experience something like that, that angry, tense argument as an observer. But it produces even more anxiety and stomach churning to realize that you might have to face it at Uncle Larry's this Christmas. Or your company Christmas party. Or your neighborhood gathering. It might be about masks or vaccines or politics or race or religion or conspiracy theories. But you know it's coming. And it might get ugly. You'll be holding your breath and walking on eggshells. May I make a proposal that might preserve your family and your friendships and maybe keep you from losing your mind? To using the title of this sermon series, Calm the Chaos. But before I share my proposal with you, I want to start with what Barry calls the world in front of the text. You know, there's the world of the text, which we're going to get into the Bible in a second. The world behind the text, which was the, in the writing and the constructing of the Bible and all that. But the world in front of the text is our world. It's where we are. Uh, I'm going to offer some thoughts as to how we got to this tense, angry place. How did we get here? It was the third week of March... I was still senior pastor here, and it was, we were only a few weeks into the pandemic explosion, which was what, about the first week of March, second week of March, it all took off. Third week of March, I got, I don't even remember who it was, a friend sent me a link <coughs> to an article from a group out of New York called Praxis, led by Andy Crouch, who used to be the editor of Christianity Today. Uh, the article was entitled, Leading Beyond the Blizzard, why every organization is now a startup. Here's a quote from the article. The coronavirus is not just something for us to get through for a few days or weeks. We need to treat COVID-19 as a cultural blizzard winter and the beginning of a little ice age, a once in a lifetime change that is likely to affect our lives for years. <laughs> now, I read the article 
And I had two reactions to it. One was, I wondered, okay, we're only a couple weeks into this. I mean, they've all, they're already telling us that it's just around the corner, that everything's going to be solved just around the corner. We're going to be fine by the summer. Remember all that? Remember that? Well, I, so I thought, is this an alarm? Are they alarmist? Are they, are like, they blowing this alarm trumpet like way too soon? Or are they prophetic? Well, guess what? They were ahead of the curve, everybody. They were prophetic. They called it. What we're dealing with right now is not a blizzard that we need to endure. What we're dealing with right now is not a winter we just need to get through. We're dealing with an ice age, a change to our culture that is not gonna go away anytime soon. And this happened to us, and it wasn't just COVID. You all know, we all know, this happened, COVID happened to us in the middle of an already inflamed cultural storm of racial hostility, political disgust, religious deconstruction, climate change horror, social media anarchy, and conspiracy madness. All the things happening at the same time. I think it was last week, Jamal Bowie in the New York Times was trying to reflect on what it feels like to be where we are right now. And he quoted a character from an old horror film, The Thing, to describe our weariness and our weariness He said, he quoted Kurt Russell saying, nobody trusts anybody now and we're all very tired. And one other thing, how did we get here and why are we at this place? This may be why Uncle Larry is so Uncle Larry-ish and why you may be the way you are. It's this word, enemy. Now I've been paying a lot of attention to this word as I I had heard it before, but it was about a year year ago I read about it and I've been doing some research on it and it perfectly describes why we are the way we are. So the word enemy comes from the Greek and Latin, anomos, no law. So enemy means the lack of laws, but don't think of law in terms of legal constitutional law. Think of law in terms of the word norms. So enemy is a loss of norms. By the, in the late 1800s, French psychologists used this word as they were working with their clients to figure out why were they struggling so much. They realized that this word enemy perfectly captured what they were dealing with. I think it captures what we're dealing with. The lack of norms. The scaffolding, watch this, the scaffolding of our lives has collapsed. The things that we called normal aren't normal anymore. The things that were the anchors that we anchored to or connected to to describe life and define life. I mean, my word, you you can't shop anymore. You can't do anything anymore without all our norms being thrown upside down. We are dealing with enemy. Maybe this is why Uncle Larry is the way he is. So all this to say, in the world in front of the text, our world, we need permanent new strategies to navigate relationships for the foreseeable future. And by the way, we better come up with something soon before the office Christmas party or the neighborhood gathering or yes, Uncle Larry's annual Christmas soiree. So here's my proposal. 
get out your devices and write this down. Get, your, get a piece of paper, get ready to write. Here's my proposal. You ready? Shut up. <laughs> That's it. That's my sermon. In the tiniest of nutshells, that's my sermon. The problem with that is we told Barry and Lucy they couldn't use that phrase when they were, and so all you parents who wanted to reach over to your children and put your hands around their ears, let me give you some other words that you might feel more comfortable with, like be quiet, or zip it, or bite your tongue, or shush. As we navigate the new social ice age of grievance and fear and enemy, I propose that we follow Richard Rohr's advice that we stand still in a patient, humble way. That's my proposal. But let's dive into the world of the text and look at the Bible to see whether my idea, my proposal, has any merit at all. Got a Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Here in this auditorium, it's page 974 in the Bibles you'll find under the seat in front of you. Those of you worshiping at home, uh, great to be with you. But I'm going to tell you, Penny and I are, we've been back at church now for months and months and months, and we love it here. Come on back. The water is warm. It's fine here, and the worship is phenomenal. And I was in tears this morning, so come back. If you feel safe, if you come when you feel safe, but uh, we would love to see you here. All right, and by the way, I love where this church is going. I love who this church is becoming. I love the leadership of this church, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else than in this spiritual community right now, and I'm proud to be a part of this church, and it's good to be with you. Let's get into the scriptures. Okay, Galatians chapter five. The world of this text. This is a piece of correspondence between an early church leader, Paul, and a group of churches in a region that he had visited maybe a year or two before. So he's writing them a letter. Now, it looks like when you read the rest of the letter that what he's trying to do is confront a controversy that was circulating among these churches in this region called Galatia. The controversy had to do with some other people were infiltrating the church and saying, oh, it's wonderful for you to follow Jesus. Great that you follow Jesus, but you also need to follow the Mosaic law. And Paul was not having any of that. You, chapter five, verse one, look at verse one. He says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Boom, bam, that's it, stop it. But as you'll see, And you look ahead in verse 13, there is an interesting maybe side road off the main topic. And I wanted to read it to you, verse verse 13. You everybody have a Bible? Because if you don't, like, if you don't have the Bible, you don't know if I'm not, I might be making this stuff up. So look at verse 13, here we go. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law, sounds like Jesus here speaking, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Now pay attention to verse 15, because here's the key. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, Watch out, 
Beware of destroying one another. Now, before we go on, pay attention to the words he chooses. He's not saying, by the way, stop your arguing or your fussing or getting worked up with each other. Look at the words he chooses. Why are you always, look at the word, biting and devouring? And the, another translation of the word destroying is annihilating. I mean, this is not a little thing they were going through. There is some serious rage, serious rage going on. And he says, you've got to stop that. You are annihilating each other. That's a chilling warning. And all too real. Reminds us why the trip to Uncle Larry's can be so nerve-wracking. Or why it's so frustrating when you open social media. Or you listen to a news source. Or you go to the grocery store, for heaven's sakes. This is serious business. So does Paul have a solution? Well, let's go on. Verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now I want to stop here because he's about to list a whole bunch of bad things. What happens when your sinful nature is controlling you. And I'm going to skip a bunch of them that are maybe related to other topics, but I want to pinpoint the ones that are related to what we're talking about here today. So I'll read 19 again, then we're going to drop down to verse 20. When you follow the desires of a sinful nature, the results are very clear. Now look at these five things, verse 20. Hostility, quarreling, outbursts of anger, dissension, and division. So he adds those five hostility, outbursts of anger, quarreling, dissension, division. He adds that to biting, devouring, and annihilating one another. Mm. Step back and we'll summarize what we've looked at so far. You and I have a choice. When we face people with whom we have a grievance, a dispute, or a battle. In this ice age, there are too many of them. We can, here's one choice, we can bite, devour, and seek to annihilate people with hostility, quarreling, outbursts of anger, dissension, and division. We can choose to do that and a heck of a lot of us are choosing that path right now. Including maybe you and me at times. But there's an option. Let's go on. Verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, 
gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Now, I want to point out something to you about these fruit, these applications, these responses when the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and we choose to allow the Holy Spirit to direct us. I want to point out something about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Watch this, watch this. Every one of these characteristics happens to be a thing you can display, watch this, without ever opening your mouth. Without ever opening your mouth. For instance, we're going to skip over love. I'll come back to love. Let's let's take them one at a time. Joy. Do you know when you're in the presence of someone who is exhibiting joy and they're not even opening their mouths? I I think so. What what is it about a person who has joy? Many times there's a smile. I know this is simple, but there's a smile. Uh, There's a warmth you know what warm people are like, right? They don't have to say a word, but when you're, when you're with a warm person, it just does something to you. So you can exhibit joy with warm smiles and an overall sense of happiness. What about peace? Well, peace can also be something and should also be something that is expressed. No one ever expresses, well, we rarely express the concept of peace with our words. It's mostly with our posture. There's something disarming about a person who's experiencing peace. There's something poised and calm. You just take those two. Imagine walking into Uncle Larry's or into your Christmas party with joy and peace. Man, we win right there, right? But let's go on. What about long suffering, which I think is the pinnacle of the fruit of the spirit when it comes to this angry thing we're going through. Long suffering, which is, describes exactly what it feels. Long suffering. How do you express long-suffering without opening your mouth? You do it by staying in the room. You don't leave. You stay in the room. And already your skin is crawling because you know when you get in these situations, what you want to do is vamoose. You want to get out of there. Long-suffering says you stay in the room. What about kindness? Can you exhibit, yeah, of course we do kind things. We can give little gifts and we can say, but we can also keep our mouth shut and be kind simply with facial expressions. What about goodness? This is a hard one. Goodness is being in such a posture with someone where we're allowing them, essentially, we're not holding them back. And this is really hard. Sometimes we exhibit goodness when we just allow a person to vent without us trying to stop them. Because when someone starts to go off, what we want to do is, ah! But maybe goodness says, all right, you go, go, say what you need to say. What about faithfulness? This is really important. Faithfulness does not require words at all. Faithfulness basically says, I'm going to go ahead and go to Uncle Larry's even though I don't want to because the, the relationship is important to me. I will be faithful to this relationship. Gentleness is obvious. A gentle person has a soft presence. 
love the gentle people in my life, the people that you just feel comfortable with, can we be that kind of person to others? I think so. Without saying a word. And finally, (laughs) self-control by not reacting when we're accosted with ideas we don't agree with. (laughs) Now, before we talk about love, I'm gonna wrap it up with love, but... I want you to do a little exercise with me. I want you to imagine yourself. Picture however, you can picture a family gathering. You can picture an office gathering. You can picture running into somebody at the Whole Foods where you're, you're having a debate with them, okay? And I want you to picture yourself. I'm gonna walk through these words again. If you have to close your eyes, close your eyes. I want you to imagine yourself keeping your mouth shut. And instead in the middle of the diatribe of the person, the angry reaction of the person, you exhibit joy. Are you thinking about this? Think about yourself exhibiting joy. Imagine yourself displaying peace through a calm and poised posture. Imagine yourself practicing long suffering by staying in the room even though you wanna run out of the room. Picture yourself being kind with your facial expressions. Can you see yourself doing that? Can you imagine yourself doing good by giving them the space they need? Being faithful by not running away from the relationship? Use your imagination and picture yourself being gentle and showing self-control. It's weird. Trying to imagine myself in a situation like that, I'm, I'm... I don't know how you're feeling right now if you're with me here, but while I'm trying to imagine this peaceful, calm Dave, I'm feeling the tension inside of me at the same time, not wanting to get run over. Of course, then there's love, and I know love is... Love many times is expressed through what we do and what we say, but can I suggest to you that maybe we got love wrong some of the times because love is mostly what you don't do and what you don't say. Can I prove my point? Here's another letter, part of a letter that Paul said to another group of churches. He said this, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Stop, come on. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Okay, okay. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, never bites, never devours, and never annihilates somebody else. In other words, as you face those people who want to pick a fight, shut up. Yes, you will want to strike back. Yes, you will want to run from the room pulling your hair out. And yes, you are gonna feel the urge to share with them with what you know because you've done the research and if only they would understand what you know, now they would get it. Don't do those things. Shush. 
smile and listen as you sip on your eggnog and allow your kind silence to do its thing. Stand still in a patient, humble way. It will take everything within you to do this. It will grate on you. It will feel like a grave injustice to let them get away with their nonsense. But my friends, I see no other way forward. The wall grows higher by the day. The wounds of broken relationships get deeper by the hour. We are at a cultural and familial breaking point. So my proposal is we try something different. Before we go to the family thing or office party or to the grocery store, settle down. Be mindful of what you're thinking and feeling. Pray for the help and direction of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we didn't even talk about the fact that about three or four times Paul says something. Trust in the Holy Spirit. Come in the direction of the Holy Spirit. Be, Be led by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And when you get there and you're in the difficult place, display a gentle, wordless peace. Stay in the room with loving self-control. Stand still in a patient, humble way. And mostly... Shut up and be kind and be kind. Let's pray. Father, um, this is unnatural to us who are so accustomed to being led by our sinful nature. This is unnatural. So to think that I'm gonna be able to work myself up to this point of standing still in a humble way is kind of a joke. I cannot do this unless I'm led by the Holy Spirit. And I know every one of my friends listening to me right now is feeling the same way in one way or another. So I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, help us out. Help us to be mindful of where we are, what we're getting into, and be open-palmed and walk through us and help us do things that we never imagined we would do. Help us to be peaceful and kind. You can do that through us and we are going to rely on that and trust you and who knows, maybe even somehow change other people with our loving, gentle kindness. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church. And the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.